A thankful heart really is a thing of beauty, isn't it? And that's why it's so important for us to develop an appreciative attitude. It's why God wants you and I to develop an appreciative attitude, no matter what situation we go through in life, because really it doesn't come naturally to us, does it? I mean, think about it. From the moment we are born, um, we're pretty demanding. <laughs> you know, we cry when we're hungry. We cry when we're uncomfortable. Uh, we cry when we're upset. In fact, I know a lot of adults that are still like that. <laughs> but that's the way we are as kids. It's the only way we can communicate until we get that need met. And then we settle down for a while until we need something else. And on and on it goes. So by nature, it's really difficult for us to develop this, uh, this thankful attitude, this thankful heart. And that's why, again, the scriptures stress this over and over to all of us. Uh, from the Old Testament times even into the New Testament times. Learning to say thank you as children, to verbally say that is a way that it begins to teach us to have thankful thinking and to be able to express that in hopefully meaningful ways. And then it also helps develop then that attitude within us that we can begin to look around and be aware of the things that when a need is met or when something is done for us or there's something that is beneficial to us, we can tell someone, thank you. I had the privilege uh, this past Friday, so just a couple of days ago, to be at North Parkersburg Baptist Church at the North Christian School there for their elementary school. And I did one of my little magic illusion presentations for the kids, and it was a blast. I mean, I just love doing that stuff with the kids and involving them, telling them about Jesus and, and what's not an illusion and what is true and how we can trust in Jesus. And after I got finished with the presentation uh, as the kids, and there was a lot of kids because it was, you know, every age group kind of in there in this one big room. And as they were leaving, you know, some of them said, thank you, and they went on to their class, and that was great. But what was really special is one of the teachers, and I'm not sure which class it was, and I need to find out uh, to, to be specific but, and to say thank you to her, which I already kind of did this. But anyway, this teacher had her entire class come up, and the table where I was doing the presentation from, they came up and they kind of grouped around, and one by one, they looked me in the eye, and they said, thank you, Pastor Mark, for doing the magic show today. And I said, oh, thank you, you sweetheart, you're so welcome, it was a joy. And then they left, and then the next one would come up to me, look me in the eye, thank you, Pastor Mark. <laughs> it was great. Now, now, one little girl said, thank you, Pastor Mike, for being our pastor. I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> but that's, I knew the heart was there. And then, and then she got embarrassed, and I said, it's okay, honey, I, thank you. Because I, I saw her heart in what she was wanting to do. But here's the, here was the really cool thing. So one of the, the little children, and I think it was a girl if I remember right, because there were so many of them, but she kind of was embarrassed to look at me and she just was like, thank you, Pastor Mark. And the teacher looked at her and the teacher goes, eye contact. <laughs> and so then she looks me in the eye and says, thank you, Pastor Mark. And I said, you're welcome, honey. And, and what was so cool about that is after the kids went by, I told that teacher, I said, you are doing an awesome thing. I said, you are teaching those kids a skill that so many kids and even adults don't have. Number one, it's hard for us with all the social media and everything we, we get on and we're used to not looking somebody in the eye and having an honest conversation because we feel like we can't say it, so we're going to wait till we get home and post it on Facebook or social media. We've lost that skill and we suffer because of it. 
So we need to learn to look each other in the eye and really listen when they say something. Instead of thinking about, well, what am I going to say next in return? Just listen. And then after you've listened, then you have an opportunity to speak. That's really proper communication. But the thing that impressed me again was the eye contact. And I told her, I said, these kids are going to benefit from being in your class because of what those skills that you're teaching them, beyond just the knowledge and the education. So I share that little story with you to say that's kind of the big idea of this message today. This week, we know it's Thanksgiving, and for some of you, you've done it for years, and maybe you have your traditions and your rituals. Maybe you don't. I know it's a difficult time for many people. If you're going through a hard time, it's tough to be thankful. But here's the thing. When you gather around that table or when you have your meal, whether you're eating out or or whatever the situation is, too often we don't look God in the eye, so to speak, and tell him, thank you. Thank you for giving me this. Thank you for providing that. We'll kind of sheepishly give, God, thank you, and, and, and we're grateful. Or sometimes we don't even say God. We're just like, we give thanks for the blessings we have. Well, who are you thanking? So be specific. Look God in the eye, so to speak, in your spirit, in your soul, and say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. And that's why the Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. I'll take a moment here. I had a type error in, my, in the first service, uh, and it was said 519. And so I did correct it. And in fact, if you want to follow along today in the YouVersion Bible app, uh, Pastor Eric is training me. And so uh, I, I went ahead and I put these scriptures and things on the YouVersion Bible app if you want to follow along. And you'll be able to look at that later today, even if there's something you want to go back and remember a verse. It'll be available till this evening sometime before it goes off. And of course, if you download it, then you can have it and keep it. But I made the correction on there. So I'm pointing this out because it did say first. Thessalonians 5, 19, it was a type error. I did correct it, so hopefully it's right now. But anyway, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says this, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting? Because some people say, how can I know what God's will for my life is? And I understand you're talking specifically for you, but here is one of the things that God has clearly told us is his will. You don't have to guess, you don't have to wonder. He wants you to give thanks in every circumstance you go through, just like we saw in the video, try to find something positive that you can see that God has done in your life, even through your pain, and give him thanks and thank him for Jesus, because it's because of Jesus that we can get through all of this. So notice it says give thanks. It requires a little bit of effort, requires a little bit of time. In fact, we're so used to getting something, and in return we'll say thank you, But what I want you to understand is even the fact that you acknowledge a gift or something that's been done for you, a service or whatever, when you say thank you, you're giving a gift in return. You're giving the gift of thanks. That's why it says give thanks, and that's why we call the holiday thanksgiving. It takes some time and some effort and some energy. And here's the other thing. It is a choice. It's a It's a determination, it's a decision that you make that you are going to acknowledge something positive in your life and for those or that person or whomever has helped you to have that positivity or that help or that strength. Someone other than yourself has expended energy and time and effort, uh, cost and consideration in some way on your behalf. 
And so this principle is true in our earthly healthy relationships, and it's absolutely true in the spiritual realm and in our spiritual relationship with God. So as followers of Jesus, we of all people should learn to be thankful, even when we're going through tough times. So here's the first thing that I want you to think about today. Thankful thinking, or just having that heart of gratitude and being thankful, it's a worshipful choice. It is a choice that we need to make if we're going to worship God. It's a response to God's goodness. In Psalm 100, verse 4, it teaches us, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Literally, that was written for the Jewish people when they were coming to the temple to worship God. They were instructed by God, when you come into my presence, I want you to let me know that you're grateful and thankful for what I do. So it was a way that they approached even when they started going to the temple. Now, how, how many of you, of you here this morning, as you made, made your way to this church building, you know, the building's not the church, we are, but when you made your way to this building, were you thankful? Or were you complaining about something? Was there something we didn't do right? And if so, we do want to know about it because we want to make you feel welcome. We want to do good things. We, we want to show hospitality and grace and all of those things. But what was your attitude when you came in here today? Well, if it wasn't thankful, I'm hoping by the time you leave, your attitude will change a little bit and you'll realize some things. But that's enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And then it says to specifically be thankful to him and bless his name. So here's the deal. Without gratitude, we really cannot even worship God properly. We might go through the motions. We might think we're worshiping him. But if you have an ungrateful heart, you're not really worshiping him in the way that he desires. I don't know about you, but I've seen different people in my life, been around different people in my life that just seem to have a negative attitude. It doesn't matter what good things are happening to them or blessings they have. All they look at and all they focus on is what they don't have or what they used to have, they don't anymore, or something they want to have and they haven't achieved it yet. And just all they focus on is what they don't have rather than looking at the things in the midst of what they feel they don't have, all of the things that they do have and that they're surrounded with. Well, those kind of people have been around from the beginning of time. And I do believe God can change a heart. So if you know one of those people or you're married to one of those people or they're in your family, a kid or a parent, pray for them, encourage them, ask God's spirit to work through you to try to help them see positive things and gently come alongside them. And again, just and not without, without nagging, but just try to point out and help them to look around and see the blessings that they do have. But the Apostle Paul writes about some people like this who were negative, and they've been around since the beginning of humanity, the early generations. It's in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. It says this. He writes, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened, Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. You see, ingratitude toward God not only stunts our spiritual growth and prevents us from developing spiritually and growing, but it can actually begin to destroy us in our spirit. And so God says it is so important. I want your eyes to be opened. I want you to learn to have gratitude even in the midst of your difficulty. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. 
But ingratitude toward God due to a selfish attitude or a disappointment, it actually does lead ultimately to rebellion against God if you don't have a change of mind and heart. Notice that in verse 21, it says that these people knew God. They knew God, but they weren't grateful and they looked at what they didn't have. In fact, that's really what led to the first sin, Adam and Eve. They had everything that, that they wanted, everything. God just said, don't eat of that tree over there. That's it. Go have fun. No, no rules, just right, you know, except for that one thing. Don't eat of that tree. And what did they do? They were ungrateful. Ultimately, it's prideful. Why is God withholding that one tree over there? What, what's that got that we don't have? And there you go. So we know that it's pride and deceit and those kind of things led to the first sin, but a lot of it really is a heart of ungratitude, looking at what they didn't have instead of thanking God for what they had and being satisfied in it. Well, anyway, Psalm 95 shows a stark contrast to the ungrateful attitude of the people mentioned in Romans chapter 1. So let's take a look at it now. I just got the reference on the screen, Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. And again, I do think this is uh, the scriptures in the Bible app if you're following along there in the U version. Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. We did that this morning just a few moments ago. Let us come before his presence with what? Thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms, and that's praise choruses, hymns, songs with, with music that glorifies him, that has lyrics that glorify him. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. Now look at verse 5. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. I want to take a moment there and stop. And it may seem nitpicky, but I, I just have to say this. Again, if you have a belief that everything that exists in this universe all just happened by chance, and scientifically it happened by biological processes and chemical processes, which again, those things are involved, but there is a creator who created those things and then used those things to bake his cake, so to speak, to put everything together, to make it work in harmony together in an amazing way and just confounding ways. My point is this. If you think that this all got here without God, then there's really no way that you can give thanks to him because you're not going to give him credit for anything. Even people that say, well, you know, he didn't create it, but he just kind of came along and now he's working in it. You're not really having a true heart of thanks. And I know this steps on toes, and I don't want to get too long on this sidetrack, but it is just difficult for me, for people who claim to be intelligent, and they are, and who truly want to study the evidence that is there and the science to somehow believe that all of this just happened by chance. I, I just honestly, I just don't get it. I know I'm not the smartest guy around. I'm not, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, I'm sure. I'm sure there are some of you that are smarter than me. But there's just this one thing that I think about. God's given me enough intelligence to look at all the evidence that is there and to say there is no way this happened by chance. 
something greater, someone greater that's a lot wiser than any of us created all of these physics and these dynamics and these interconnections and how foolish we are when we try to explain away how this got here without you, God. So again, I'm not saying that scientists who do this are unintelligent. No, like I say, they're, they're much smarter than I am. What I don't get is why are you trying to explain how this got here without acknowledging that there is a possibility and in fact there is someone greater, a God who put all this stuff in place and then look scientifically with those things into consideration. So that's a little side note. And again, you're like, oh yeah, there goes Mark again. Well, it's okay. So I want us to just think about those things because again, it comes down to, are you having a heart of gratitude or not? And you don't have to be an intelligent person. In fact, we're gonna come to a a moment about something that Jesus said uh, about this whole issue. So look at verse five, the sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. There it is. You can't really even worship God unless you truly believe he is your creator, that he gave the possibility of life, that he set everything in motion with biology, with men and women coming together, birthing a child, and that child coming into the world, and generations, from from generation to generation, this population continues to go on. That's God's plan for society. It's worked for thousands of years, and though we're gonna try to redefine it, it's not gonna change the way that it works. So we need to acknowledge that God is our maker and give thanks to him for that rather than to be ungrateful and say, why did you make me this way? Or, you know, I'm, I'm not right, you're not right, everybody's wrong. It's like, no, God is in control. We're sinful, broken people. That's why we need his forgiveness and grace, and he's provided that through Christ. And we can all give thanks if we'll humble ourselves and trust Christ. We can all give thanks for that. And he makes us one in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Because in Christ Jesus, there's, there's no male or female. There's no societal class. There's no racial classes because there's just one class or one race, the human race. And until we humble ourselves and give him thanks and acknowledge him as creator, we're just not going to get it. We're going to become like the people in Romans chapter one, ungrateful, unappreciative, and our foolish hearts become darkened. Verse seven says, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Again, they use that metaphor just like a shepherd and a sheep. It's not trying to be demeaning. It's actually a very endearing way of describing the relationship between us and God. So thankful thinking is an important uh, in response to God's, uh, it's it's an important and an appropriate response to God's grace and goodness. Now I mentioned this a moment ago, Jesus set the example. He gave thanks and it's recorded. He he gave thanks in different situations, but in John chapter six and then also in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus gives thanks for a small amount of food that he received when he was speaking to a large crowd and he wanted to feed that large crowd. And so they checked around and uh, there was one instance where five small barley loaves and two fish were given to him. And Jesus took that and he said, thank you, God. Now, if that would be a lot of people today who are faced with the pressure of doing something like this and they got five little loaves of bread and two fish, they probably would have said something like this. Seriously, God, 
Like, seriously, this is all you got? You expect me to feed all these people and you only give me this measly little bit here? I mean, absolutely, Jesus could have said that, right? I mean, he's the son of God and he could have been, you know, stomped his feet. God, I can't believe this. Can't believe you sent me down here and look what you give me to work with. I don't know about you, but I know some people. I know some people like that. Jesus modeled the right attitude. Even with the little bit he had, he said, Father, thank you. You're awesome because you've given me this and I know that I'm going to take this and you're going to work with me in this and we're going to accomplish a whole bunch with this little bit of stuff. And that's exactly what happened. He gave thanks and he honored God in the thanks and he worshiped him. And as they began to break that bread and pass it out, all of a sudden it just multiplied and fed over 5,000 people. Same thing happened again in another time, in another situation with over 4,000 people, seven little barley loaves and a few fish. Doesn't even tell us how many fish because it really didn't matter. It was a few though. And over 4,000 people were fed. Jesus gave thanks for the little bit that he had because he knew God would work with it. How about in your life? Instead of looking at the big stuff that you don't have, maybe you need to start giving thanks for the little bit you do. And maybe you need to start asking God to take the little bit that you think you have and asking him, Lord, use this little bit that I have. Multiply it, bless it, use it. Help me to trust you. Help me to be thankful. Also in John eleven forty one, Jesus gives thanks to God the Father that he's heard his prayers concerning the death of Lazarus. Now, when he stood at the tomb, Lazarus hadn't risen from the dead yet. And yet Jesus stood before the tomb and he said, I thank you, God, that you've heard my prayers. And then Lazarus came out after Jesus commanded it. So a little lesson for you and I, we should give thanks to God when we pray and just take a moment to say, thank you, God, that I can even pray. Thank you that you've, you've said in your word over and over again that you, little old me, out of all the billions of people in the world, you still want to hear from me. You want me to pray. The king of the universe wants to hear from me. And Lord, help me to listen to you. So we really need to give thanks that God does desire to hear our prayers. So thankful thinking is also a sacrificial choice. And this is what I wanted to get into a little bit. I mentioned it earlier. It is a choice to honor God with thanks even when we hurt. So thankful thinking and being thankful doesn't mean being unrealistic. It doesn't mean ignoring the problems that you have. You can be authentic and realistic about it. You can even kind of complain a little bit about it. But in your complaining, give thanks and look around for the things that you do have. This is what uh, we learn from David in the scriptures here in Psalm 69. He's honest. This is why so many people love the Psalms. It's not unrealistic. It's where we live and move and breathe and have our being. It's our feelings. So David writes in this song, I am in pain and distress. May your salvation, O God, protect me. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with horns and hooves. That's a reference to the sacrificial system that the Jewish people would use. And when they wanted to come before God, they would bring an animal and they would sacrifice that animal. Its blood would be shed, be put on the altar. Uh, they would uh, roast that animal or fix it in different ways. And then some of the offerings was actually called a fellowship offering where the person that brought the sacrifice, some of it was burned up, but some of it was kept. The priest ate some of it and the person that offered it ate some of it. And they were in, it was a sign of God's family fellowship. He, wanted it, he, he wants to share together with us. This was all God's object lesson before Christ ever came. 
It was an object lesson to the Jewish people and to us today as we look back on it that God was going to come into this world and take on flesh and blood himself and shed his blood on the altar, so to speak, of the cross of Calvary. And the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf and my behalf, we know our sins can be forgiven. And in a few moments, we're going to take some elements that represent the body and blood of Jesus. Just like I said, when they would bring that animal to the to the altar, they would sacrifice it, they'd put its blood on the altar, and then they would actually share an eating in part of that sacrifice. That was that fellowship. That's what this communion meal represents. It represents something spiritually that you've done in your heart and life. You've trusted Christ as your savior. You believe in him. You know he's your sacrifice. You give thanks for him, and you ask him to forgive you and cleanse you and to show you things that you need to see. All of those things, it's a worship experience that's not just this little ritual of drinking a little bit of juice and a a little dab of gluten-free bread. (laughs) By the way, it is gluten-free today, so for this... (laughs) From here on out, we do that. Anyway, it's not only unleavened, it's gluten-free, but um, it's more than that. It's a spiritual connection, and it really is a way that, so to speak, spiritually speaking, you can look God in the eye and say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. There was a famous uh, English Bible scholar named Matthew Henry. Maybe you've heard of this commentary. It's been around for a long time, Matthew Henry's commentary. And I still occasionally will refer to it along with some of my other references that I use. But he was robbed one time as he was traveling, if, if I remember correctly. He's robbed of his money. And this is what he wrote in his diary after that happened. Let me be thankful. First... I was never robbed before. (laughs) Boy, that's a positive attitude. Second, although they took my money, they didn't take my life. Third, although they took all I had, it wasn't that much. And fourth, let me be thankful because it was I who was robbed and not I who did the robbing. Wow. I mean, that, if that doesn't illustrate how to have a thankful heart and to look at positive things when something bad has just happened to you. I don't know what is. So we need to learn to give thanks again, even when our heart is hurting and when things aren't going the way that we want. It doesn't happen automatically, though. It is a choice, and it's a sacrificial choice. Sometimes it hurts to say thanks, even when we're hurting. Jesus also expressed praise and thanks to God when people rejected his work And rejected his message. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. This was when Jesus was rejected from a lot of the religious leaders. It says here, he gave thanks that God the Father hid hid spiritual truth from earthly wise, but reveals spiritual truth to babes or infants. And what he was saying is, he was giving thanks to God that though all of the religious elite of the day, those that had gone to all the schools and gotten their degrees and their doctorates of the day and, and their master's degree and all that stuff, that he had a group of young teenagers, really, and, and some other people that began to follow him, men and women, and they were more spiritually aware and in tune with what God was doing than those that had gone through all of the, the higher education circles of the day. Now, I'm absolutely for for higher education. I think it's a wonderful thing. Education is important. But I'm a living example of somebody who really isn't that smart, really not all that formally educated, and yet God is working through me. I give him all the glory. 
But, and I say that again, not to boast. I, I don't have the formal education that a lot of people do, but God had put on my heart um, to read a lot of the stuff that they read in colleges. I ta- I've talked to seminary graduates and they talk about a book that they studied in seminary. I'm like, oh yeah, I've read that book. And they're like, you read that book? What'd you read that for? Well, because it was interesting, I wanted to learn. So I may not have the piece of paper, but hopefully the fruit is coming out that gives evidence of God's spirit. And, and I'm, what I'm saying this, again, it's not, I'm not to draw attention to myself. I'm trying to draw attention to what Jesus said. He gave thanks that, it's, that God doesn't have to depend on those that have the opportunity to have the great education. That's good, but he can speak to just common old ordinary people and he can use us. Can I get an amen? I mean, so I said all that to say this. If God can do it through me, he absolutely can do it through you and he wants to. So don't use that as an excuse. Just trust God. Again, take the little that he's given and, and worship him. Finally, thankful thinking is a prayerful choice. In Philippians chapter four, verse five B, it says this, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The first thing we need to understand is the Lord is near. That's why I included the second half of verse five there. But we need to make sure when we're praying, we take a moment to give thanks to God before we begin with our list of things we need or people that we're praying for. So take a moment to thank God. Do that today in just a moment as we come to this table. Thankful thinking comes from understanding what Christ has done for you and I. In First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter four, verses 14 and 15, it says this. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And finally, thankful thinking as a follower of Jesus, it really does need to be a way of life. And that's what this message is about today. It's a reminder In Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven, it says this, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness.